Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that you hear about online that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fanatics that want the real GM experience. You can finally take all the knowledge you've learned about on the pod and put it to use in actual fantasy football. It adds a whole new level of strategy to fantasy football. They think it's such a big difference maker that they hold three patents on it. So what are you waiting for? Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com. You know, so if you're worried about you won't be able to find anyone to play with in your league, don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. So you won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start your own league, join a league that needs to be filled, or you can even purchase a team from a previous owner if you'd like to take that team to the championship. If you're finally serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com and start your dynasty today that's dynastyowner.com i'm telling you guys you are going to absolutely love it what is happening gang we have got a show that i am absolutely jacked about on today's episode of the inside football podcast with bill pulling in today's episode it's usually me and rick coming up with the concepts for the show but bill actually came up with this one himself he has spent a lot of the summer doing a quarterback regression and putting quarterbacks into different levels of category based on a number of factors. So this is truly a unique opportunity in the window of one of the greatest NFL minds of all time to hear how he catalogs the quarterbacks headed into the 2021 season. In this week's episode, we're going to deal with the top two categories, the elite and the quarterbacks who are really good but need some help around them to win. And then next week, we're going to go with some quarterbacks who have some work to do, some quarterbacks who are in the middle, and then some quarterbacks who are on the decline. So this is truly a really, really fun episode. Before we dive into today's show, I wanted to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. The month of July is heating up with a ton of sports action. You got the NBA Finals, the NHL Finals just wrapped up the other night, but from basketball to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets, Bet Online has you covered. Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. So, what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. That's BetOnline.com or use your mobile device to get your 50% off welcome bonus today. Alright gang, this is like going to quarterback school with one of the greatest minds in the history of the NFL. This is our look at the first half of Bill's quarterback categories headed into the 2021 season on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Poland. Yeah, yeah. 
it is not often Bill comes to us and says, hey, I've done this pretty cool regression. I think it would make for a cool show. So where, what are we diving into today? What are we going through? And what can the listeners expect? Well, you know, there's always an argument at this time of year when there's not a lot going on about rankings. And with quarterbacks, people say, well, who's elite? Who's not? And you get into all kinds of arguments that basically are non-factual. And so in spite of the fact that I have a bit of a reputation around the industry as being anti-analytics, I'll prove that untrue today because I think the way to handle those kinds of arguments is to refer to analytics. And, uh, and so uh, this came out of a conversation I had with a defensive coordinator who said to me, with the advent of the spread offense everywhere, and seven-on-seven seven starting in sixth grade, all of the old metrics no longer apply. So I thought, well, that's really interesting. And he said it's more prevalent at the college level than it is at the pro level yet, but it's, it's clearly getting there. And, uh, and that's true. I mean, we're now using uh, uh, nickel defense, which means we've got five defensive backs or more in the game 65% of the time. So we're using 53 and a third yards of the field and, uh, and the passing game has been predominant. So I went back and looked at the production in five key categories of, uh, of, of various quarterbacks and then ranked them accordingly. So uh, the categories are QBR because regardless of arguments that other analytics companies use, QBR is what the NFL uses. It's, it's, it's universal. And the teams use it as a means of, of, of trying to differentiate between individuals, both in pregame scouting and in pro scouting. Um, yards per game, which now the elite quarterbacks hit 250. That's the number. And that's the number we used uh, last uh, fall when we did a, did a kind of a midseason ranking. Um, the, the top number now is 30 TDs. Um, the TD to uh, interception ratio used to be two to one. It's now three to one. And completion percentage used to be 55 or so percent. It's now moved to 65%. So if you're going to be an elite quarterback, you have to hit those benchmarks in every single category. And so, um, Here's what we found. These are the guys who are elite, which also means that, uh, as, as our regular listeners know, I frequently refer to our grading scale in Indianapolis where we use colors. If you can win on your own, you're a blue. That's the most desirable player. Right. And those are the guys who get paid. Uh, you should keep blues at all costs. Uh, it doesn't matter what else affects the cap, keep the blues because they win for you. Um, so we start with Aaron Rodgers. Now I'm going to give you just as QBR in the interest of time. Uh, so if you guys have questions, we can go back to the, the other data. Uh, but uh, every one of the quarterbacks I'm talking about here has hit every one of those benchmarks. A QBR above 100, 250 yards a game, 30 TDs, 3 to 1 uh, interception to uh, uh, touchdown ratio and 65 completion percentage. They're at or above those numbers in every case. So we start with Aaron Rodgers, interestingly enough, 
at 121.5, highest QBR in the National Football League. So is he deserving of a new contract? He's 37 years old. That's the impediment. That's why those two numbers tell you all you need to know about this standoff between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. 121.5 QBR, best in the National Football League, 37 years of age. Probably don't want to give him a five- or six-year contract. Right. Do you think the age is changing at all in terms of, you know, we've talked a lot about it for in terms of position, but at quarterback, do you see with what some of these guys are doing later in their careers, do you see the age changing a little bit where the, the hill maybe isn't until 40, 41? No, because that's only Brady. Uh, and, and so it's not enough to affect the, 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 the overall numbers. Um, we'll look at it next spring, uh, but I, I don't think, I know it hasn't changed now. And I don't think okay. it will change next spring. It's still, for the elite guys, it's still 35. It, it, but, you know, Bill, in, in his case, um, when you compare his other one of his other uh, MVP seasons, 2011 to last year, uh, even though that his uh, QBR that, that previous year was 122.5 as opposed to 121.5, in almost every other category, he actually exceeded 2011. Better, uh, better completion percentage, uh, uh, more yards, uh, higher average, and more TDs. So, is he another example? Though he's not, he's not uh, Tom Brady's age, but is he an example of somehow because his physical and mental game are so strong, he is still getting better? Uh, well, certainly he's not getting worse. That's for sure. We don't know that at this point. The, the difference in those numbers, which I looked at, are I, I didn't consider them relevant because the game has changed so much between 11 and now. It's a different game in terms of numbers of passes thrown, the way they're thrown, et cetera. So uh, I don't know that it's it, it, it really means a lot. He certainly has not regressed. That's obvious. How long he'll, he'll retain this status remains to be seen. Um, the numbers will tell us that Brady has regressed, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So Aaron Rodgers is number one. And just to repeat myself, the, the two numbers, 121.5, which is the QBR, and 37 years of age are the bedrock of the dispute. That's what it's all about. Right. Uh, yep. the, the next guy is Deshaun Watson. Uh, at 112.4, that shows you what the disparity between one and two in QBR and what a great year Aaron Rodgers had. And it further points up how unreliable Green Bay's defense was. You got a quarterback at 121.5. Your offense is hitting on all cylinders. They don't need receivers. They got plenty of receivers. What they need is defense, and they didn't have it. That's why they, they didn't beat Tampa Bay in the championship game. Um, Watson at 112.4 is, is, is literally in limbo, uh, but nonetheless, a really good player. People make the argument that that number is inflated because they didn't have a running game. My, my answer is, so what? Uh, you score points any way you can, right. and uh, it's not necessary to have a running game. It's necessary to have a defense, which is why uh, – <laughs> Uh, uh, Houston was so awful. Uh, You you know, when you got a 112.4 quarterback, you should be in the playoffs. 
they had no chance because their defense was awful. Um, so, um, you know, he is still exceedingly functional, exceedingly good. Uh, he's elite. There's no question about it. The question is what comes of the off the field contraceptives he's in right now and to whom is he traded when the time comes. Um, if in fact he's in limbo all year because the commissioner puts him there or the court puts him there, I doubt that. I think the commissioner will put him there um, for some period of time. He and Rogers may be on the market next year. That's when, you know, we've gone through a year of, of angst and, and noise and, 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 and terrible uh, rending of, of, of clothing and beating of chess right. about whether yeah. Russell right. Wilson and Rogers and, Watson will be on the move. Rodgers and Watson, that, 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 that conversation can be had starting in February because <laughs> it's likely that one or both will be on the move. Watson may be sooner than later, depending upon, um, you know, what gets done. Keep an eye on that on, at the trade deadline. If I were the commissioner, I might think hard about putting him on the exempt list for eight games. And then, uh, opening it up for movement at the trade deadline. The other, there's another argument that says, leave them on the whole season. Don't disadvantage one team against another. Don't disadvantage um, uh, Houston in terms of what they can get. Open up the entire market. That's a discussion that will be held at the at the league level. Um, but when do you, it's when an do you interesting think that discussion. decision will be made before camp? Yeah, I do. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Um, a lot depends on how these settlement discussions go. There are settlement discussions going, but there are so many plaintiffs that it's almost like a class action. Everybody has to agree to something or other. If somebody doesn't agree, this is I'm farming Rick's land here, but if somebody doesn't agree uh, to a settlement, then you could have a, an ongoing uh, civil case, which would be difficult for the commissioner to do anything but put him on the exempt list for as long as that case ran. So it's all dependent upon how the cases are resolved and having them all resolved without going to court. How, how does the appeal process work from Deshaun Watson's side? Like if the, he's put on the commissioner's exempt list, what recourse does he have to sort of arbitrate that? Really none at that point. I mean, he okay. can file a grievance, uh, but I don't think he'd win it because the commissioner's defense is going to be he's in court. Um, the very case itself is a besmirching the National Football League. Uh, let him go defend himself, um, settle the case, and, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think this is one uh, that, that goes back to the one um, area that the union has always conceded, which is the integrity of the game issue, that the commissioner has broad powers there. Uh, and it, I don't think that an arbitrator is likely to overturn um, the commissioner. Bill, I was going to ask you, do you think um, this, the civil cases uh, are more important than um, what happens with the criminal case? Because uh, that's the other thing to me. I don't, you know, uh, you know, you, you sort of, it's unlikely, it's, or it's harder to just say, okay, I, you know, I can't settle for money or I can't, uh, sort of just make this thing go away. Uh, the what do you think about that aspect of it in terms of not just the civil uh, liability but the criminal 
uh, possibility. Well, there's been no criminal case filed yet. Not yet. It's in the hands of the of the Houston police. And presumably because of all these <clears throat> civil filings, you would know better than I, but presumably the Houston police have access to lots of information via the civil filings. And so they haven't de- they haven't decided uh, or or maybe are not going to do anything with it. It certainly hasn't been presented to a grand jury. So you have to presume that the the, that the criminal penalty the, the, the criminal part of this is not a major factor. You're right. Once a criminal charge is filed, that automatically means he goes on a commissioner exempt list, yeah. and 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 he's out of the picture until such time as that's decided. But the you know. They haven't done anything yet, which which leads me to believe that maybe they won't. You know, it's certainly true. And, and because usually what if you're a lawyer in this case, you'd rather have uh, the criminal authority do the investigation on your behalf, turn everything up. And then since the burden of proof is lower for a civil case than a criminal case, even if the prosecutor uh, doesn't go ahead, uh, you know, he's. Uh, turned over um, the dirt for you, and that helps. And if he's charged, you know, then uh, and, and you know, then it certainly helps. But it, I, I agree with you that if they haven't done anything at this point, it's probably less, li- probably unlikely uh, um, that they they will. I think there also politics plays a little bit more of a role in it, uh, whereas the civil attorneys all they care about is. Uh, making the, the claim for their clients, making money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, uh, absent all that, Bill, where do you think, you know, we had talked about sort of the, the emptiness of trade demands in the NFL, the way things work. Do you feel like with the situation in Houston, absent all this, a trade might be a possibility during this year, or would that be like a Rogers uh, thing waiting for next year? I think it's a distinct possibility this year if the commissioner uh, puts him on the exempt list for a period of time that would expire prior to the trade deadline, which is which is week nine. So um, that's a distinct possibility. As I said earlier, the commissioner has to weigh um, the young man's desire for a trade, which is clear. Um, the club's desire, I think, to get as much as they can for a very valuable asset. I hate to use that term, but in this case, it's appropriate. And whether or not something at the trade deadline would be preferable to having the other 31 teams in the market for him at some point in time in, in February, let's say, before the, the, the new league year begins. That's the dilemma the commissioner faces. By the way, I got to give kudos to my friend Jeff Pash, the general counsel for the NFL. Uh, the commissioner exempt list was originally created during the Korean War in order to uh, have teams keep the rights to players who were drafted and had to go into the military. We had a draft at the time. It stayed in effect uh, right up and through the 60s uh, until the draft was was uh, eliminated legally. And... Uh, so Jeff Pash, there's a reason he went to Harvard Law School, unearthed it and uh, and used it in a couple of disciplinary cases. So it's now uh, and the union approved it. So uh, it, it, it's now a possibility 
for Watson right now. He's he's just on the roster, and and in limbo. He's in no particular status other than active status right now. But in your senses, he's probably going to be on the exempt list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absent some some settlement that absolves him of total responsibility, there's going to be some discipline here. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, because the personal conduct policy is reflective of how the player's conduct reflects on the league. And obviously this stuff, if Ben Roethlisberger got four games uh, for what he did, for which there was absolutely no prosecution, um, you know, that's the minimum that's going to happen here. Right. So, um, you know, yeah, this is a, it, it, we're getting far afield here, but I'm, I'm sure that we have listeners that are interested in it. They, this is, these questions are being asked debated and answered among the league's legal people led by Jeff Cash, um, the, the legal liaison to the union, Larry Ferrazzani, the union's legal people. I don't know who their lead counsel is right now. And these discussions are ongoing. Yeah. Uh, they, they, and they keep each other abreast of what's going on. And then there's a, there's a, 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 a person in a league office who's in charge of investigations. Her name is Lisa Friel. She's an attorney. Uh, and, and a former prosecutor in New York City. And I'm certain she's in almost constant contact with the authorities and perhaps even the lawyers involved yeah. in the civil cases in Houston. So this is not sitting um, in, in a folder on somebody's desk uh, on the third floor who's in charge of uh, um, you know team relations. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. on the front burner of, right. of, of, yeah. of people with, with a lot of clout. You know, and it's also an issue of, of which uh, all businesses are hyper aware right now, uh, this this kind of thing. And, you know, and I think the league has wanted to show how that it's made a lot of progress in sensitivity to this kind of uh, assertion and or this kind of behavior if it actually occurred. Right. So moving uh, on from Mr. Watson, whose uh, status is to be determined, although he's in the elite category as far as our rankings are concerned, um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, 108.2. Interesting. Uh, the perception was that it would have been better. Uh, he didn't have his greatest year this past year, uh, but he certainly passes the eye test, the wow test. He does wow things on a weekly basis. Um I think um, once the running back went down in the last third of the season, um, it hurt their offense, generally speaking. And uh, and so um, that that's part of it. But he's, he's clearly still elite. And uh, if they develop another receiver to go along with Kelsey and Tyree Kill, um, those numbers will, will soar um, because he does have all of the ability you want in a quarterback plus the ability to extend plays, throw from different platforms, different arm angles, and be accurate doing it. it, it throwing from different arm angles isn't new. Um, quarterbacks were doing that way back in the 50s. Um, there was a little quarterback who was, you know, maybe 5'9", Eddie LeBaron, yep. who played for the Washington football team when they were the Redskins, who could throw from various different arm angles. And Billy Kilmer, who played for the San Francisco 49ers and then the Washington Redskins, uh, 
would sometimes throw end over end. Yeah, he threw the ugliest ball in football. <laughs> so, what what Mahomes is doing in terms of different arm uh, angles is not new. What is new is the velocity and the accuracy uh, with which he throws. I think of course Kilmer's arm angle is why we were a sunny family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's well. true. That's right. There was a quarterback controversy yes, at the time. There yes, still there is. Was. There are many circles in D.C. That will never die. That that debate will never. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, And and Mahomes, of course, is the son of a major league pitcher. So he's got all that that ability to to make every throw. And and what he does is is, is scintillating and and amazing. Uh, So clearly elite. Russell Wilson is next at 105.1. Since sacks do affect your QBR. Uh, I think that's certainly uh, part of the the picture here. Not that we're nitpicking uh, because these guys are all elite. Um, He too is the original extender, if you will. And, um, and he can make plays outside the pocket on either side, left or right. um, Almost at will. He's very accurate down the field. He's very accurate on the run. He can do everything you want a quarterback to do. Um, they've not protected him well. He made a point of making uh, mention of that in his uh, one of his offseason press conferences. And, and then his agent decided to create a firestorm by naming four teams to which he would uh, uh, acquiesce <laughs> to a trade. Not sure he has a no-trade clause, by the way, but that doesn't bother the agent. With all exactly. Due respect, Rick. Don't let, uh, don't, yeah, don't let they don't know. live in the world of facts, exactly. Uh, uh, nor does the media. <laughs> uh, but of course, he came out the other day and said that he never asked for a trade, which he didn't, and that he's quite happy with the Seahawks and yeah. and and has a long term contract. And they did add some weapons for him this year. And in addition to that, I think they they, they shored up the offensive line, which is the more important thing that needed shoring up. So he, he remains elite, and, and there's been no downturn in his game, despite the fact that he takes a lot of sacks or yeah. is hit a lot. He so, doesn't take them. He's hit a lot. So, Bill, uh, first of all, on behalf of my, my brethren, l- let me say the old adage is this. When the law is against you, argue the facts. When the facts are against you, argue the law. When the law and the facts are against you, pound the table and speak loudly. Uh, so, you know, that the guy's doing what he thinks he has to do, but Bill, you know, he, when you say that, uh, in the last three years, uh, Wilson was sacked, uh, 47 times, 48 times and 51 times. Is that him having to move because of the poor protection? Is it that because he's shorter, he wants to get out there and is extending plays. So teams are getting a longer opportunity to sack him. You know, what's the chicken and what's the egg there? No, it's because of poor protection. People people break through and force him out of the pocket. Sometimes they break through before he even has a chance to set up. It's, it's poor protection, first and foremost, and almost always. Okay. No question about that. Um, it, it, you know, because in the early years of his career, because he was so mobile, they made a decision that they weren't going to invest in the offensive line. And they weren't wrong, by the way, at that point in time. They're going to use they weren't going to use high choices on, on left tackles and so on. They weren't going to pay big money to offensive linemen. 
because Russ, like the kid in Arizona, made their jobs a lot easier because if, if one guy broke through, he could escape and make a play. Well, now people have figured out that they can attack them, you know, subpar people uh, on the offensive line in different ways, particularly up the middle or particularly quick off the edge uh, with inside rushes where they're forcing Russ into a, you know, a, a, an untenable position immediately before he can even get set up. Um, and as a result, um, you know, the sacks go up. Now, sometimes he's out of the pocket and it, and it registers as a sack. So it, it affects the number. But it's, it's clearly, when you watch the film, it's clearly poor protection. That's why they, they went and tried to shore up the, the line this year as best they could. Um, the next is Josh Allen. I have him ranked, uh, you know, below uh, Russ, even though his QBR is 107.2, um, because, uh, you know, he's, he's a different cat in that he does make a lot of his living with his legs. Russ doesn't do that anymore. He, he, he really extends and makes plays in the passing game. Allen is, is much more of a runner and, but still, um, with the addition of one great receiver, um, and not much more, actually, he had a phenomenal year. They will figure out in the AFC East how to handle the one great receiver. And so I would look for this number to go down unless the Bills add something in the running game or another receiver steps out and, and comes to the fore. Um, <coughs> So that's one to keep an eye on. But this is an extremely talented player who has developed into a very, very accurate passer. Keep in mind that he had to have a 65% completion record. I don't think to get here, he's not even come close to that in years past. This was a, this was a miraculous, almost unheard of increase in accuracy. It was believed, and I was a firm believer in it, that what you see is what you get with quarterbacks when they come in the league. If they're accurate, they're accurate. If they're not, they're not. And it's hard to develop. In this case, he's proven that wrong. Yeah, hey, now Bill, we'll find out whether he, he's a he's the exception of the rule. Hey, Bill, yeah. what percentage of worry would you have that he would regress back to the sort of old inaccuracy and this year wasn't an outlier? What percentage of worry do you have about Josh moving into this year? I think it's a worry unless they develop uh, a, another receiver that 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 can be a go-to guy for them. Um, I, I think I think that's you know always a concern because they're going to take away the number one guy. People are going to take him away. They're, they're simply not going to let him find that guy. Now that's easier said than done because he's got a big arm and 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 the wideout can run. Right. <laughs> but so, uh, so in, you, you know, in, in fair, you can always fair. run by people. But, right. but the but, fact of the matter is they, they do have to develop a better running game, and, and, and that's only because they don't have enough backs. Their running game is good. They just The guys just wear out. And, and secondly, they need the, the tight end position has to be, I, I think, more effective. I mean, in, in fairness to him, I mean, obviously, as you said, Bill, he made a huge jump this year. But if you look at the three years, uh, his completion percentage – um, in 18 was 52.8. Uh, then he went to uh, 
58.8 and then 69.2. His TDs went 10, 20, 37, and picks went 12 down to 9 and 10 last year. I mean, so he's certainly overall in every category, he's certainly shown, you know, it's a cons- there was a big jump. It's been consistent improvement from, from his rookie year on. It's not like this was out of nowhere that he improved. No, but the but the but the numbers, the jump in the numbers yeah, is, so was, it's was, so was, yeah. is so big. It's so big. It's so big. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I, I'm just talking about regression. Scott, it would just scare about. me that the expectation's so high, such a big jump. If it's an incremental step back this year, what what does that have? Yeah, you know, what does that say, and what does that potentially do to him? Oh, I, yeah, I don't think it says much as long as he takes care of himself and doesn't take chances in the run game and takes care of the football. Um, you know, they, they, they've added, they've added Emmanuel Sanders. That will help. Um, I think they, they, Jacob Hollister will help at tight end. Um, they've got a developing receiver in Gabe Davis. So I think all of that will, will help him. Right. Uh, he might regress a little bit numbers wise, but I think, all of that's going to help. Um, okay. Our last uh, guy in this elite group, and this ends it, is Tom Brady at 102.2. Um, I did not go back and look at his QBRs in years past because, frankly, I've seen enough of him to last me a lifetime. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is that this, is, this wasn't a stellar year for him numbers-wise. But Bruce Aarons told me on the air, on Sirius Radio, that it wasn't going to be. He said it's going to take about eight games for Tom to absorb the offense, uh, to know what every the new players he's working with can do, um, to understand what the offense requires him to do, what his options are. And when he does, he'll skyrocket. And I was unable to break down the last six games of the season as opposed to numbers wise, as opposed to what the, the gross QBR was, but I'm certain it went like that straight up because the last six games he was, he was on fire and everything was, as Bruce said, was hitting on all cylinders. And that was true uh, during the playoffs as well. Well, so their their balance on offense was so much better. I mean, if you look at a breakdown of their pass plays to run plays, they're almost 50-50 through the last four or five games. Yeah, which is exactly where Bruce wants to be. Yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, he he's he he did exactly what Bruce said he would do, which tells you that there's absolutely no regression. Right. You know, when 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 you stay on schedule, the schedule the coach is set. There's no regression at all. So the only question is, you know, is Father Time going to catch up with him at some point? The history of players, elite players who go from one team where they've been a late elite to another is that they have one good year at the end and then the injury bug gets them. I hope that's not true with Tom, but that is that is a trend with players of, of who are past the, the age where they, they shouldn't be playing or should be precipitously declining. Um, when they change teams, it's one good year, and then, boom, right. injury. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. But but yeah. this – he remains elite. He remains yep. elite. And, and it, people who said he was declining are wrong. He didn't decline. Um, okay. 
the next category is what I call winners with help, meaning they need help to win. They need a dominant running game. They need a dominant receiver. They need uh, an offense that's totally suited to their um, to their uh, skill set. Uh, they have a unique skill set. Whatever you want to. We'll go through it individually here and, and okay. highlight those changes. But these guys can win, but they got to have help to do it. So let me ask you one question before we start. And, and this would be the question I would have from each category that touches the next category, not top to bottom, but let's say this, the first one to this one, this one to the next one. Is it is it possible to say that if you look at the group as a whole, as a, opposed to the group above, is it physical skill or the mental aspect of the game that generally separates guys from one category to the next one below it? The answer is no. It varies from category. These guys are winners because they have both the physical skills and the mental capacity to execute within the offenses that they have. They're able to win in the National Football League. They can't win on their own. In other words, they they can't take over a game and just say, I'm winning this. Get out of the way. Coaches, shut up. I'll call my plays. Let's go. That's what right. the great ones do. Um, but and, and Allen may not be quite ready to do that yet, but all the rest clearly are. Uh, you know, you've seen Tom Brady come to the sideline and bark at Josh McDaniels and, and scream at everybody else. Right. You know, what he's saying is get out of the way. You know, we're doing it my way. And he's got the capacity to do that. Yeah. Um, these next guys don't necessarily have that capacity, but if you give them what they need, they'll win. And that's what ultimately winners do. So, uh, you know, I'd want, uh, with one exception, um, maybe to uh, every one of these guys on my team. If I were in the market for quarterback, I, these guys would all be guys that I'd be interested in. So let's start with the Ryan Tannehill, 106.5. Uh, he deviated from one of the categories. He threw for 238 yards per game as opposed to 250, so he didn't hit all the benchmarks. The reason for that is because he was handing the ball to the big running back. He got a lot of running <laughs> plays. Of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and didn't have – a downfield threat that he could really rely upon to create um, big plays uh, like Buffalo did with Diggs off the run game, even though this run game was pretty special. Um, uh, I, I've always liked him. He got a bad rap in Miami by people who didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Um, he landed in Tennessee. Uh, they know how to use him. He's, he's more than functional in this offense. Um, he's mobile. He's accurate. He knows where to go with the ball. He's really a good player, but not quite good enough with nothing or with marginal people around him. He, he, he needs this running game to be successful, which he didn't have in, in Miami, by the way. Um, and, and even and he took them to the playoffs despite that. Uh, uh, so, you know, good quarterback and very deserving of, uh, all the awards that he got. The next guy is Carr from the Raiders, 
who has been maligned constantly in the media and appears, at least in the media's mind, always to be on the trade block. Now, John Gruden said, no, he wasn't going to do that, which I think makes sense. Um, Carr's QBR was 101.4, so right on, right kind of on the edge. 27 TDs, that didn't hit the 30 TD benchmark, but he met all the other benchmarks, and he competed really, really well. The Carr-Herbert matchup that took place at the end of the season was must-save TV. And that was gunfight at OK Corral. And, and, and both guys both guys never gave an inch. It was a hell of a game. A, yeah. It was a great football game. It, it was. Which tells you that they're both really good quarterbacks. Sure. And 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 Carr is uh, you know, showed no signs of being uh, bothered by the rush, uh, highly competitive. Uh, accurate, um, you know, he had a really good tight end, that, and that helps a lot. Uh, Jaws is always fond of saying that a, a good tight end is quarterback's best friend, and he's correct. Um, but, I mean, he's a good quarterback, and, and if he were on the market, there'd be a lot of takers for him, and I don't think he's going to be on the market. Um, the next guy we're going to hey, talk hey, about – Hey, Bill. I'm sorry. Sorry, real yeah. quick. With Carr and Tannehill, at this stage of their careers – what do you think the odds are of them moving into the elite category, or is this where they'll be probably for the foreseeable future? Um, I have a feeling this is where they'll be for the foreseeable future because they don't quite have enough cars younger and with John coaching him could develop, but they don't quite have enough um, of the it factor, if you will, to, 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 you know, to, ascend into that category where they can win on their own. Right. They haven't proven that. So, and, and, that was what I was kind of trying to ask you before, because you, you, you know, it's, it's ephemeral. It's hard to say, but generally is that it factor? Is that more, whether it's leadership, mentality, physical capacity, what, you know, I know it's hard to do and it's maybe the toughest question we'll ever ask you, but can you, can you give us a little on what you think, that is that it factor that's that takes those guys up into that because you know like like Carr for example I mean he's got he's accurate he's got philosophy uh, velocity he's got good touch so what what is that thing that gives them the it factor to be elite? Well, for one thing, the old adage that nothing succeeds like success is, is part of that. Success breeds confidence. Mm -hmm. So if you get in a lot of shootouts and you're able to win them, then a, you got the arm strength to do it. B, you got the uh, mental fortitude to do it. Um, can you come from behind? Uh, can you hit, can when your team's down three touchdowns in the second half? Can you lead them back? Um, you got to do that and prove it before people will believe it. Okay. And, and so the two guys we've talked about, absent of course the Car Herbert shootout, uh, which gave you. You know, which you said, man, well, this guy's a different cat now. Right. He's competing at yeah. a different level. Right. Uh, he may be able to ascend. He's got great okay. coaching. Um, Tannehill hasn't quite done that and, and is more reliant on the run game. So okay. I would say if Carr has a chance to do it, okay. um, but he's got to do it first. So that in, uh, the, in the moment thing, the, the Montana thing, the Peyton thing, uh, the Michael Jordan thing when all everything's on the line, 
you're better than everybody else and the team believes in you then. Yeah, that's right. And don't forget, Peyton wasn't wasn't that way until about 03. Yeah. You know, 98 to 03 was some rough sledding. Right, 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 so, right. Uh, you know, nothing succeeds like success. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that sort of, uh, to me, uh, helps explain explain Brady, you know, with a 769 all-time winning percentage, completely dwarfing anybody else that, hey, he's out there, we're going to win. <laughs> yeah, well, part of that is part of that. There are other, other reasons for that, too. I mean, they, they were never challenged in their division during all the years Brady was there. Uh, you know, Buffalo wasn't trying to win. The Jets were trying but couldn't, didn't know how to do it. Miami went in fits and starts. You know, they almost started the season with five out of six wins every year. So, so you know, that, that that's that's part of the Brady myth that I don't buy. Well, and if there wasn't world. and if there wasn't realignment, they would have had to deal with you guys in that division. That's well, also right. true. So and okay. and and they also had a a brilliant head coach who masterminded a brilliant defense, which would certainly help. So um the next guy we're going to talk about is the guy that will ascend, no question about it, um, because his he does have the it factor. Uh, Herbert, I'm speaking about with the Los Angeles Chargers. He's got arm strength. He's got accuracy. He's got uh, incredible vision. He's got running talent. He's got a, a cool – he's his cool hand loop, man. You know, it, it, he did not hit the 100% uh, QBR benchmark to be elite. And I wouldn't have put him there anyway, but he was 98.3. So <laughs> pretty yeah. good, pretty close. Pretty good for yeah. a rookie, right? Yeah, right. And it shows you, uh, and I say this with all due respect to our listeners, if you're a fan, don't believe the garbage that's put out there prior to the draft about any player's character, demeanor, uh, psychological status. It's all baloney, malarkey. Um, I'll stop there in deference to our family audience. But it, this kid, you heard, oh, yeah, he's got all the tools. But you know what? He's too smart. We don't know if he's competitive enough. Uh, you know, he's a science student. <laughs> I don't know if he likes football enough. <laughs> All of these talking heads dreaming up nonsense that somebody repeated in a bar or online or something. And, and this kid falls to the Chargers at six. And I'm telling you, they, they, were, they were going to their – whatever denomination their house of worship was and praying the night before that the people in front of them listened to all these dunces that maligned yeah. this kid. Yeah. It's, just, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. And he showed from the time he stepped in the lineup, which was the third game of the season, I believe he showed maturity. He showed intelligence. He showed competitiveness he showed at the senior bowl, keep in mind that a lot of this talking and yakking and psychoanalyzing or pseudo psychoanalyzing goes on after the senior bowl. He showed at the senior bowl 
that he was a good teammate. Every time he completed a pass, he ran from the huddle down to the receiver who caught it and high-fived him as if to turn to the press box and say, hey, gurus. Look at no gurus there. They don't even attend the senior bowl. But to, to, to turn and, and, and say, look, I'm a, I'm a good teammate. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just it, it drives me nuts, as you can tell, that people get labeled unfairly this way. But this kid is going to ascend. Um, they've added weapons for him. Um, he'll be in a new offense. He'll master that quickly. Um, he's the next great one coming in the league. Uh, and, and he's got more ability than Joe Burrow. He's got more natural ability than Joe Burrow. He throws the ball better. He's got a stronger arm. That's not always the, 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 this, this positive fact, but he's, he's, his movement is better. He's not quite Mahomes' movement-like, but close. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is the next great star. Hey, hey, Bill, sort of weird question. In your mind, how does he compare as a prospect to Lawrence? Or does Lawrence compare to him? Let Lawrence show us. Yeah. Right, Let's see it. Let Lawrence show it's us. Gonna, it's Let's gonna, see. You let him compete with the best rookie season ever. We'll see, huh? Yeah, yeah. Lawrence and, is, and Bill you know, Lawrence's Black. movement and, and 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 arm strength are good. I don't think he has the accuracy that Herbert has. And, and and Bill, when you mentioned that new offense, by the way, two words: science student. <laughs> the guy, yeah. the guy's smart. You know, I, yeah. idiot, how could you? You have to be an idiot to hold that against somebody. Oh, he's actually a student. We don't think he wants to play football. <laughs> hey, hey, Bill, how big a deal will Corey Lindsley be in his development, having a center like that to get to grow with? Well, I think it helps because he can bail him out if he if, if he makes a, a protection mistake, just to explain. The quarterback typically calls the protections. He looks at the defense and, call, and tells the offensive line who to block um, based on what he thinks is coming, what he sees. Um, Lindsley can help. If, he, if he's a little hesitant on, on, on something or other, or what, where Lindsley really can help is to go back to the bench and say, listen, when 51 is, is, is stacked, um, he's not coming. When, when he's, when he's uh, in, in, you know, when, when he's uh, removed, he's coming. They're, they're just trying to give us a different look than we saw before. That's where that experienced center can help. Right. Um, because he'll know all the protections called. He does already. Uh, and as we said before, the shootout between he and Carr was just magnificent. It's it just two guys going head to head and saying to their teams, let's go. I'm carrying you. you may just make the play. I'm going to get the ball to you. Right. And if I have to jump over the pile to get a first down uh, and land on my head, I'll do it to win the game. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's, that's what makes this, this sport so marvelous. Um, the next guy is uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, who uh, was 96.3 completion percentage, 2060 D's, 64.2. So he didn't hit three of the benchmarks. Um, now, he was playing uh, for all his career, with the exception of the time, the two years Jim Caldwell, the three years Jim Caldwell was in uh, Detroit. Um, he's been in the witness protection program. You see him on Thanksgiving Day. And, and then you don't see him for the rest of the year. And rightly so, because there was nothing to watch. Um, and he, he, he's gone from uh, one receiver, reliability, really, he's had just one reliable receiver throughout his career. So now he has two in, in Cooper Cup and Woods, 
and whatever else they can add with uh, with with other players. Um, he'll be in a play action offense, which I think yeah. will help him. Um, so he should ascend. I think he'll get to that 100 level uh, in terms of QBR. Uh, we'll we'll see what he's like with a team that's organized that has a reasonably good defense. I don't. I think the Ram defense is going to regress some just because of personnel moves, but he he should ascend, um, and and ultimately we'll find out how well he will play when the spotlight is on him every week. And yeah. and he's never. I'm not in any way intimating that he won't play well, but he's never had to do it before. Yeah, we just don't know. Well, we don't know. Yeah. So l- let me throw one thing out there. Um, since 2009, he's had, he's led them. Now he's been behind the most probably, but he's led the most fourth quarter comebacks of any quarterback in the league 31. So, I mean, at least Bill, in terms of what you were talking about before, uh, when the guys around him think, can this guy help us win when the chips are down? I know he's accused of always, and Scott and I have this conversation a lot, but I know he's accused of having gaudy numbers but not producing. But Scott, 31 comebacks in the fourth quarter, to me, that's producing. Yeah, it, it is, especially with a, a a cast that is less than stellar, particularly on the, the reason they're behind is because of their defense. Yeah. Right Now, I, I asked Jim Caldwell about him, and Jim Caldwell, as usual, very succinctly said, other than Peyton, he's as good as you'd want. Now, that's high praise. Yes, it is. That's high praise. So, uh, you know, obviously the Rams feel the same way. And, uh, and we'll, see, we'll see now how he does. Because now for the first time, other than the two nine and seven seasons with Jim, uh, where they, in fact, made the playoffs one year and got robbed by an official's call in uh, in Dallas from advancing to the divisional round. Um, they, you know, they've never they've never been in, in the national spotlight, and and the games haven't meant much week to week. Um, so uh, that will be new for him, uh, but I, I don't have any doubt that that he'll play well. Uh, he's, uh, I think, 33 years of age, so he probably has, you know, three, four more good years left in him. Uh, he's had some injury issues. In fact, had one an injury issue at the end of last year. So that's always the wild card with a player who's older. But nonetheless, you know, you expect that he'll do well. Um, the next guy is Ben Roethlisberger. His uh, – uh, his quarterback rating was 94.1. Um, he uh, threw just barely 253.3.5 yards, just barely made the benchmark there, but made it. Um, most people perceived that he had a lousy year. Uh, he did not. Uh, he didn't play particularly well in the playoffs, but he wasn't protected well. And down the stretch, they had no running game. And the passing game was completely disjointed. Um, they couldn't get the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster, who's, in my opinion, the best receiver. Um, they, they had really no tight end to speak of. Um, James Conner was injured. 
and, and never really regained his form. And the other running back, particularly Benny Snell, didn't do much of anything. Um, when the defense lost Devin Bush, that was the end of that as far as the defense was concerned. So right. he had no defense with him, uh, you know, the last seven or so games of the season. So the perception was that he had a terrible year. It was not, that's not the case. They went 10 and 0, actually. They were pretty, pretty dominant. Yeah, for pretty dominant. Yeah. 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 Now, that was principally the defense, but, but still, he was playing well. But if Bush stays healthy, I mean, that's a dangerous yeah. team, right? Yeah. It is. It is. Now, and we'll see if what, what you saw toward the end of the season is a guy with an elbow injury who, who was being bothered by it. So, will it, continue will there be a decline how is that going to play out that's all to be determined and he is in he's past the critical age I mean, he's at the point where there is a decline is expected and and there was some i mean you could see it of course um, i mean bill he's coming off major elbow surgery so yeah i mean you had to take that into account right yeah and, absolutely right and yeah. and, and it, it looked to me that i i tried to go pretty deep uh, upon, I, I looked at, at a lot of his statistics, and the only thing that I could seem to find was a fall off on the ability to deliver the deep ball. He seemed to be very, generally very accurate and very capable of completing every pass but the deep one. Well, he couldn't throw deep because he didn't have the time to down mm -hmm. the stretch. The offensive line had fallen apart. They fired the offensive line coach, actually. And they couldn't protect him, and he was getting the ball out, bang, bang, you know. Get the snap, get it out there. He didn't want to get uh, sacked, and I don't blame him. Yeah. So he, he, he couldn't throw the ball down the field. And then why they couldn't get Schuster open or get the ball to Schuster is beyond me. I, You know, that, that's another question entirely. Well, but, his numbers would look so different if they didn't have so many drops. Of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> it was like there were weeks where they looked like they were paid to drop the ball. Exactly right. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So he did, the supporting cast was not no. spelled, that's for sure. And, and if we and say Ajay Harris. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. right. If we say they need help, the cavalry is coming. His name is Najee Harris. And I have now, a Juju hunch. Exactly. And so, I'm biased, and I know what you say about rookie tight ends, but Pat's going to have a nice year. I'm sure he will because he couldn't be worse than Ebron. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 right. Talk about drops. Yeah. Yeah. So our next guy is Matt Ryan, uh, who most people perceive as being on a decline. Um, his interception to touchdown ratio was 26 to 11. That's not good enough. Everything else uh, qualified. Um, no running game to speak of. And he needs a running game. That's the bottom line. Uh, there wasn't any. And if he doesn't have a, a, a run game, he's got to drop back and throw. He's not mobile. Uh, the protection will break down. Their offensive line isn't as bad as they looked because there's no running game to, to keep people off him. So when you're facing blitzes and you're facing people teed up and 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 going 100 miles an hour to get to the yeah. quarterback, it's hard. It's hard to protect. 
the defense wasn't very good. Um, you know, if you put Matt Ryan uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, those numbers go up and, uh, and, and the wins go up and yep. he looks like a different quarterback. Yeah. So I don't think he's done yet. Right. Um, and, yeah. and I think they made a wise decision to stay with him. It was probably more financial than artistic, but um, nonetheless, he can, he can still win. Yeah, Bill, you know, if you look at it, since we're, we're willing to accept a little bit of analytics here and the other side of absolute number is ranking, when you look at key categories uh, in terms of yards per attempt, he was seventh, uh, passing and completion percentage, eighth, uh, yards, ninth, uh, and um, QB, he was 10th. Uh, so, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's right there in that, not that first group that you talked about, but he's certainly right there in that second group. Yep, he sure is. And and if they're going to move him in the offseason, he would be someone you'd have to give careful consideration to. Hey, uh, and 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 Scott, uh, you know, your team is is probably giving careful consideration to a lot of names on this well, list. I yeah. think a lot of guys are giving us careful consideration. Whoa. <laughs> I think we're we're the place to be in 2022. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. I think we're the we are the bucks of 2022. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Hey, Bill, uh, how do you compare Matt Ryan to Matt Stafford? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think they're similar. I think they're similar. Matt's a little more of a of a traditional pocket passer. Matthew Stafford can can extend and will extend and does more with his feet. Matt Ryan's a little more um traditional both are incredible uh competitors um th there isn't much to choose between the two very honestly really because i get the vibe that everybody thinks stafford is significantly better maybe than matt ryan but for me i like matt ryan a lot more well the matt ryan haters you know have been legion forever i don't know why they're almost like the peyton haters you know why do you hate Matt Ryan? No, oh, he's not a winner. Well, he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but he didn't win. You know, it, it, that's on the coach, not him. He's not right. calling the plays. You know, they just don't like it. So that's why that's where analytics solves the problem. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, uh, Ryan Ryan's career QBR is five points higher than Stafford's. So there yes. you go, Scott. Yeah. There you go. I don't get it. Don't, I don't get it either. Well, don't get it. There's a lot of the things we'll eventually have to explain well, to you. And, this is one of them. And he's from Philadelphia, so you know he's tough. <laughs> that's it. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing. People forget that he's from Philly. Even yeah. though he went to Episcopal Academy, which is yeah. he did. He went to William Bastion of Street Fighters, but no, still. but it's still everybody, even at that level. Yeah. Still, anybody that's from Philly has a little bit of an edge to him. Absolutely. No question that's about it. He really went to don't. BC where there's where there's plenty of right. tough guys. He did not yeah, go absolutely. to Bach. It's not like William Penn is not Bach High School, but it's yeah. it's still Philadelphia. <laughs> That's, That's true. exactly I, right. If you, if, you, if you really want to do a deep dive, you can find out whether he preferred Pat or Steve's yeah. cheesesteaks. That will tell you everything. Yeah, the most scared I have, I've, I've never ever, asked him that, but I will. The yeah. most scared I've ever been as a human was our uh, first PG year at Hun. We played Bach High School in Philadelphia on a field of glass, and I was like, what are we doing here? 
You're learning what the real world is. Uh, like. yeah. Exactly. Uh, and was the answer losing? No, we he actually we won. We won. You won. Okay, you won. Any glass? Did Matt go to uh, William Penn or Episcopal? Uh, Matt went to William Penn. William Penn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next guy, who I have not rated because there's no numbers to rate him with. <laughs> exactly. Is uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, he was injured. Obviously, he's coming off the injury. I'm tempted to go out on a limb and say that with the talent he has around him, he's going to ascend into that win-on-your-own category. My only hesitation there is he had a horrific injury. I had a very similar injury, and I know what it what it takes. I, I never obviously played pro football, but I know what it takes to come back from it, just to rehab so they can walk around and, and jog and do things like that. It's a, it, I don't know how it will affect his mobility which before the injury was terrific. Um, and whether whether he become a different style quarterback because of that, that remains to be seen. I definitely have him in this group. He's a winner. There's no two ways about that. Um, he's got the talent. There's no two ways about that. What kind of quarterback he will become post-injury is going to be interesting. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what that holds. But, I, I, there's no question to me that he's got the it factor and there's no question that he can become uh, maybe even without the mobility or with a different style of quarterback play, he can become an elite quarterback. I think he's got that kind of ability. Um, well, in, in a, after a horrific injury like that, aside from uh, the ability to physically recover in your experience, do guys become a little gun shy, a little more protective of their body, a little unwilling to put themselves on the line, or are they just superheroes who still throw it all into the game for their team? Well, I would argue that neither is true. Um, nobody's gun shy in the NFL. Just go stand on the sidelines and watch what goes on. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm saying that within a relative, of course. In a relative, relative way, that's all. Um, and guys who, who try to protect themselves end up getting hurt. You can't try to protect yourself and, 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 and still play. It's not possible. Um, what you do is you don't put yourself deliberately in positions where you can expose a deficiency, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. And so in his particular case, uh, he's not want to, he's, he's going to probably not going to want to go rambling around down the field and running into the linebackers. Right. Uh, he's probably going to slide a hell of a lot yeah. more. And, and I know from having had this injury that sliding to this day scares me. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, this, this was a compound fracture. Right. And so, um, you're one he's going to be more like away from so, exactly you, 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 he's yeah. be more judicious yes in in in, in the way okay. he runs the ball as, you, you, as far. you answered the question the way I should have asked it hey. <laughs> so that's, that's that's the answer hey bill is it more beneficial for somebody recovering to play on grass or play on an artificial surface well the conventional wisdom says grass um i still believe that's true 
although the you know they've improved greatly, he's gonna I'm sure spend a lot of time on what kind of shoes he wants to wear based on what surfaces he's playing on. I think the medical people will 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 have a hand in that. Um, I know we had players where the doctor said, "I need you to sit down with me and this player and say you need to wear these kinds of shoes versus the shoes that he's wearing." Um, and and so that discussion I'm sure is taking place. I think, and this is this is purely a a guess, but I think you're going to see Dak become more of an extender than runner. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see that. Although running is in his DNA. Don't forget, he was a fourth-round draft choice because at Mississippi State, he was Tebow with a much better arm and much much as a much better natural passer. He ran the hell out of the ball at Mississippi State, yeah. which is why people said, well, you know, he's just like Tebow. We don't think he's a good enough passer. That's why he lasted till the fourth round. You didn't see that passing ability till he got to the senior bowl. So, yeah, um, hey, Scott, I'll tell you this. I in in from the days of the Players Association and onward, I, I agree with Bill that it, it's improved. But I've never heard anybody make a legitimate argument that uh, for players, it's better to play on artificial fields than turf, whether it's the lack of padding underneath, whether it's burns, whether it's hooking a foot, whether it's friction. I don't think anybody would say that grass is not the the the, the safer, better way. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is in a special category, and it's Lamar Jackson. Um, he did not qualify for the elite because his QBR was 99.3. That's That's nitpicking. But his yards per game were 183.5, which is not nitpicking. Uh, It's well below the 250 mark. His completion percentage was 64%, which is is just below uh, the target line. Now, you make the argument, if you're a Jackson fan, that his yards gained rushing, which were, believe it or not, 1,005 a 6.3 per carry average and seven touchdowns more than make him elite because he's undefensible when he's got the ball in his hands as a runner. I agree with all that. I agree with all of that. He is a He's the beneficiary of an offense that suits his style to a T. If you think about, and, and I know we have, probably the majority of our listeners never saw the single wing. And I don't want to take the time to describe it. The single wing had the quarterback back in shotgun position where where Jackson is today. It had a wing back, no wide receivers, had a wing back, two ends, two tight ends, a fullback, and what was called a quarterback. Jackson's position was called a tailback. The quarterback was really – a guard in the backfield who led play. Sound familiar? Maybe a little bit. They have, the guy. They have that guy. I've uh, exactly right. I'm right here where it's happening. So I've seen it many times. <laughs> the wing back is the third tight end. The so-called fullback is the running back that stands next to Jackson and will carry the ball from time to time. So Greg Roman, Phenomenal. He's not old enough to remember the single wing, but he looked it up 
and created an offense that 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 really is unique. It's hard to defend. It has a passing concept to it with wide receivers that the single wing never had, but that creates more problems for the defense because it spreads them out. I would argue that if you spread the defense out all over the field, um, uh, uh, spread style, air raid style, that you might create even more running lanes, but uh, they don't, they prefer to do it this way. Um, and they're very, very good at it. But if he doesn't have that big fullback, if he doesn't have that big tight end, those big tight ends, plural, yeah. um, people who are proponents of his, and I'm taking no position here, by the way, I'm, I'm putting him in a category, making a, trying to make an assessment. People who are proponents of his, who say that he's elite and unique, and all of that is true, he's unique. And he leaped with the ball in his hand. There's nobody like him. Um, say he needs better wide receivers. Well, by definition, that puts him in this category, doesn't that? That that seems exactly. to be the caveat of how yeah. this category was created. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how, it's true. How worried yeah. would you be, or how important is Greg Roman? Because it seems like there's no quarterback and offensive coordinator who are more inextricably linked than those two, right? Well, he, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Greg has is, is, is developed an offense that – and he did it with Kaepernick. This was Cap. Kaepernick I mean, we've seen this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, except that Lamar is so much better than Kaepernick as, as a runner. Um, the, the bottom line is that, yeah, it's unique. It's a little like Tampa, too. Uh, if Greg were to move on to get a head job um, or go someplace else as a coordinator, um, whoever replaced him would have to come almost from in-house. Yeah. Because when things go wrong, it's the architect who knows how to fix it. Mm -hmm. So when things went wrong in Tampa too, if you had a done, if you had Lovey Smith at the helm, he knows how to fix it. Right. Joe Blow, who's, looking at film and reading playbooks and, and, and trying to emulate it right. doesn't know what to do when something goes wrong. Yeah. So in that sense, Greg is almost irreplaceable. Cause it seems like he's developed he, this over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. Now he's got the perfect quarterback for it. Yeah. It just seems to me like if he leaves, this could get weird. Yeah. I mean, th I think they've made, they've created something to fit these, this, Lamar and others in a way that I, I've in all my years, at least to watch football and obviously Bill, you know, I'm deferring to you, but I've never seen someone be so successful at not making the players fit the system, but making the system fit the players. My only thing, Bill, and what do you think of this? I'd like to see them get bigger because Lamar can only throw certain passes. And we've talked about this before. He has limitations. I'd like to see them go for bigger wide receivers with a larger catch radius that could make up for some of his lack of accuracy in certain throws. Well, first of all, proponents of his uh, in, the, in the analytic category will argue with you that, that, that he's more accurate than the general consensus is on the deep ball. Um, that doesn't pass the eye test. It doesn't. Um, but that's why they got big. 
He's big. He yeah. can catch. He can win 50-50 balls. That's why they got bitten. So, uh, yeah. That's the I answer. Mean, yeah. But by definition, that puts him in this category. Of course it does. Yeah. So, um, and, and you know, if, the fact that he, he he's undefensible with the ball in his hands as a runner is, you know, that's an elite talent, but it doesn't put him in the elite category. Right. Because, Bill, I think there's another aspect to your elite category, which is, for the most part, if you took any of those elite quarterbacks and put them on another team, they'd raise the game of the other team. Lamar would not do that any other place. Um, yeah, I mean, that's debatable, but, but it, it's certainly... Not, not every single, but, it's, you know, as a general yeah. proposition. Everybody's yeah. going to look good with the Washington football team in 2022. We're, we're prime. Are you are, are you buying stock from or something? You, you, I mean, every time this year, this is when my excitement level reaches Dan, an unbelievable height. Did, I'm probably not going to like where we're going in the other two categories because I haven't heard uh, Fitzy's name yet. But that that'll be for next week's show. So, Bill, what are we going to hit on next week? Well, we're going to do a category called on the fence, uh, which means that. These quarterbacks have not yet proven themselves to be winners. And so they're right on the fence. They could go either way. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a smaller category, but we'll spend a lot of time delving into what they do and don't do. Uh, and then uh, we have two more categories. Uh, the next one below that is work to do. And, and there are a lot of guys who are there. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys in this category right. who either have a lot of work to do to just position themselves as starting quarterbacks or to rehabilitate themselves. And then finally, our, our, our last category is backups descending. So that they're, they're clearly physically descending and they really are only backup quarterbacks, although for one reason or another, they may have to pay, play. Right. And and have at some point in their career been starters. Yes. So. Yes. I am super excited. All right, gang. Well, that is our show for today. If you got things you want us to hit on or questions you want Rick and I to, to ask Bill about, hit us up on Twitter at IFBillPolium. We will be sure to cover it in next week's episode. This was super fun today. Thank you so much for doing this, Bill. My pleasure. So Look forward to next week. Scott, Bill may be putting us out of a job, but he's not only has all the knowledge now, he's actually coming up with the shows. I know. So we, we better up our game. Well, I'm going to be nervous next week if Bill's in a cowboy hat. I feel like I'm going to yeah. be looking at uh, Costner well, next time. <laughs> yeah, if, we're, if we go Dances with Wolves, Costner, next week, if, I'm thinking. Well, I understand. But if Bill opens his shirt and has that Y on his chest, yeah. it's over. We're, we're okay. in trouble. All right, guys. Actually, there is a, an imprint on my chest, but it's not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. That's right. That's that, right. That is the best plug for next week. We'll dive into that one. Okay. All right. See you guys. All right, see everybody. You. Take care. Bye bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.